nothing could have prepared us for what we witnessed when we left the Jewish festival of Sukkot. When the festival went out and Orthodox Jews were finally able to check the internet, we discovered that 800 of our friends, family, and people had been massacred in Israel. This is the largest massacre of Jews since the Holocaust. Welcome to the Fallish Day. I'm Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you so much for being with me. You can support the Fallish Day by going to the fallishday.tv slash donate. The fallishday.tv slash donate. And remember that we're on locals.com. So click the link in the description to support our work. I do appreciate it. I have a very interesting guest today, Joseph Cohen. He is the uh, executive director of the Israel Advocacy Movement, which is a pro-Israel organization in the UK that focuses on combating anti-Semitism and inspiring Zionist activity. Joseph, thanks for coming again. It's a pleasure to be here. It's an honor to be here. Thank, Thank you, you buddy. Um, Joseph, w- w- what's important to you? So, very simply, the survival of my people, um, the Jewish people. I'm an Orthodox Jew, and we've had, we've, we've outlived many empires. <laughs> we've been around for a long time, but it hasn't always been the easiest experience. And so, my focus is Jewish survival. It's that simple. And, and um, so, the Jewish people... Uh, they are under attack, and they've been under attack for a long time? Yeah, for thousands of years, unfortunately. And is it by a certain group of people, or do all people, is it due to hatred? In different generations, different people rise up to, to persecute and slaughter us, starting from Pharaoh and then the Bible to the Romans, the Assyrians, the Nazis, the Almohads, and the latest manifestation of that would be um, Nazis and radical Islamists, in particularly in the Middle East, but around the world, sadly. And, and why the Jew? Why are why the Jews the... under attack? It's a very by, good so question. Long by so many different groups. It's it's a very good question, and people give very different answers. I think ultimately, at the core of the 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 Jewish people is the Jewish faith, and the Jewish faith um, represents a certain moral and a world, a way of viewing the world. And I think at times that has um, for every positive, there's a negative. So for, for the Judeo-Christian values that became dominant within um, Western Europe, the, there was the antithesis of that would have maybe been the Nazi ideology. And um, so that's in a very good, evil type view. But in a more practical terms, you tend to find in the modern world, at least, um, anti-Semitism tends to largely emerge out of Christian and Muslim countries. and. At the heart of the Jewish faith is a rejection 
of the Christian faith and a rejection of the Islamic faith. And both of those faiths can be seen as children of, of the, the Jewish tradition. And I think that has at times led some people to anti-Semitism. Obviously, the overwhelming majority of Muslims and Christians are not anti-Semitic, but throughout the history of our people for the last 2,000 years, they tend to be the countries that we've been we've been subject to persecution under. Um, so I I don't know understand clearly why this is happening. I got a, I have an idea, but not all the way. But for, for what some people tell me is that they don't like the Jews because the Jews killed Jesus. Is that true? So it's not true. <laughs> But do so they, say, do they that, say that, it, It's not. It's not me to teach Christians about Christianity. I'm a Jew. I, I'm not well versed in the New Testament, but I can view the world through a geopolitical lens and the global hegemony, the America of the the biblical period. Certainly, when Jesus was alive, was not the Jews. We were a tiny little province in the Roman Empire, and the global hegemony, the 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 the, the power that called the shots, was actually the Roman Empire. And it was the Romans that put Jesus to death. Right. Um, and so I would say no, it wasn't the Jews that killed Jesus. But, but I'd it also... was the Jewish, it wasn't like all the normal Jews, it was the Jewish leadership, the preachers and the rabbis and others, according to the Bible and what some people say, they turned them over, they turned Jesus over to the Romans because they became upset at Jesus that he was interfering with their congregations. He was interfering with what their, their followers were believing. And so somehow or another, they turned Jesus over to the Romans to be killed, the government so there. I, is that true? Um, again, I don't follow the New Testament, so that is the account of the New Testament. But I'll ask you a logic to follow a logical exercise. Uh, who's the most powerful Christian preacher, maybe the Catholic Church. I don't know who is the most powerful church or, or congregation in the world today. Now, could you imagine that congregation telling the American administration what to do? There's no chance the American administration does what the American administration wants to do. And back then, the Jews were a tiny, tiny people. The, the Sanhedrin, um, the, the 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 men of the Great Assembly. They had no power over the the Roman Empire. They, they they were able to wield a little power over the Jewish community, but even then there was divergence. It, like, if you're if you're approaching this from a logical, looking at the mighty Roman Empire and then this tiny little tribe in the in the the, the Middle East, who's going to be calling the shots here? It's not going to be the Jews. It's going to be the Romans. The, the Jews would not have been telling the Romans who they can and can't ex um, execute. The Romans would have been doing that. Potentially, they saw Jesus as a threat to the power there, potentially disrupting the power balance of their province. But ultimately, it was the Romans. And the reason I keep saying Romans is the inheritors of the Roman Empire, um, or not the the the, the early church fathers, um, were the Roman. It was the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is a direct child of the Roman Empire. Um, and the Catholic Church is the body which put about more than anything 
this narrative that the Jews killed Jesus. Now, I don't want to pick a, a fight with Christians or Jews. You're asking, sorry, Christians or Catholics. Not the Catholics aren't Christians, but you're asking a Jew, did we kill Jesus? I don't believe we killed Jesus. Me. But I'm sure Christians will give, like yourself, will give a very different account as to an Orthodox Jew who but doesn't long, believe in the New Testament. A long story short, I want to move on because I have so much I want to ask you about. But did the, did the Jewish leadership play a role in somehow or another convincing the Romans that Jesus was a problem? Did the leadership have a a, a role in that? Um, I, I Truthfully, I, I couldn't possibly tell you. I wasn't oh, okay. around then. Um, right. I don't even have that great inroads into the current Jewish leadership. So <laughs> the Jewish leadership no. from 2,000 years ago, it's, it's beyond my pay grade. And then I hear that a lot of people hate the Jews because the Jews control everything, the media, the the everything. Wherever they go, whatever country or wherever they go, they control the banks, they control the uh, the media, they control everything, and they tend to be liberal. And of course, what people are telling me is that the Jews go in and they corrupt the system because they're so liberal and they control everything and they influence the population. Is that true? It also is not true. So for context, if we controlled the media, if we controlled the world, there wouldn't be so much hostile coverage of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. There wouldn't be such hostile um, coverage. Take the United Nations as a great example. The United Nations has issued more critical resolutions against the Jewish state than all of the states of the world combined. Does that sound like there's a cabal of Jew controlling the United Nations? The media, the media, like even I'm in the UK, the media here is incredibly hostile to Israel. Even in the wake of the 7th of October, this is the worst massacre of Jews since the Holocaust. The coverage is upon, there's been literal reports written, there's entire organizations dedicated to reporting on the biases within, within the media. The idea that the Jews control anything other than our synagogues is, is, is it's an ancient anti-Semitic trope, but it just has no bearing on reality. There's no there's no truth to it. What I think you will find is you will tend to find an overrepresentation of Jews, if I'm being completely honest, in various fields. So if you look at capitalism and communism, and you look at religion, you look at theology, you look at psychology, you look at business, you look at different fields, you will you will find Jews that have done well in those fields. And and if you're critical of those fields, you'll paint that as a negative. So if you're on the political left, um, you could uh, sorry, on the political right, you could look at the left and see Karl Marx and see that Karl Marx was from a Jewish family. If you're on the political left, you could look at capitalists. You could look at Zuckerberg. You could look at whomever it may be, and you will see Jews, and you'll have this confirmation bias that there's somehow all these distinct entities, all these different Jews, are somehow pulling together, and they're all part of some cabal that's a, that, that has their, their tentacles around the entire world. In reality, it's not true. There yeah. is no Jewish conspiracy. You there is no a, cabal of Jews that control anything. There yeah. are Jews that have done well in life, and Mazel Tov, well done to them, just like Christians and Muslims that do well. Well done to them, Mazel Tov, You make an interesting point in that I've noticed that there's this war been going on between Israel and uh, Hamas people, 
that there have been a lot of protests and rallies and and stuff against the Jews all over in this country and all over. And I noticed that the liberal media seems to be supporting Palestine over Israel. So I wonder, one day I wonder, well, if the Jews control the media, how come they are not getting the attention from the liberal press if they are in control of that? I didn't wonder about that because I, it seemed as though either they don't say anything about the war or they support Palestine in the war. Whereas uh, most of the conservative media tend to be supporting Israel uh, in it. So I did wonder about that. I want to ask, so if the Jews do not control everything, why is everybody, not everybody, most people seem to be afraid to speak out against in disagreement with the Jews because they're afraid that they'll be shut down, you know, like Kanye West and others, They'll be shut out if they criticize the Jews. Why is that a, a a false fear? And why are people afraid of it if it's not true? So first, I'd like to say some people are afraid. You're certainly not afraid. Your first question was, did I kill Jesus? So <laughs> some people are afraid to criticize the Jews, not everybody. So what I would say, we live in a society today which affords great protections to communities it perceives to be vulnerable. Now, that's not to say these communities are aren't vulnerable, but they just have that perception. So if you were to speak out and criticize in a negative way the gay community, the trans community, the Muslim community, the Jewish community, the African-American community, what would tend to happen from the liberal, uh, liberal press, you will get a, a strong backlash because within these societies, we afford great protections to these communities that are perceived rightly or wrongly. To be vulnerable. Other communities, you can you have carte blanche. You can say whatever you want, and it seems to attract no negative right. um, um, backlash. But I think that's just uh, that's it's a sign of the community, uh, the other uh, where the, the the wider community is today, rather than so. Nobody would argue that the 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 trans community are in control of the global money supply because you can't criticize the trans community on mainstream media. Nobody would make that argument, but they do make that argument for Jews. They don't make it for anyone else. And it's because the Jews have this ancient stigma, this very old anti-Semitic trope, which is how they they, they, they connect the two. Um, but yet, there are many communities that you cannot speak out against, uh, to, to, to use the language you chose at the beginning, but that isn't any rep that does not mean these communities wield any real power within the society. Do um, which group is hated the most? I know that I notice white people are under attack all the time around, especially in the Western world, um, and they seem to be hated more than any other race. Which group is hated the most? The Jewish people or the white people? So, well, I would. Caveat that so it's very hard to so it's very hard to measure anti-white racism um, because it's not catalogued and logged in the same way that other forms of bigotry are. So here in the UK, there's been a fifteen hundred percent increase in anti-Semitism. Jews represent a tiny proportion of the population, but they are the most likely. There's only just um, shy of three hundred thousand Jews in the UK. And we are 
the most likely to be attacked than any other community. And most of us are invisible. Most of the Jews in the UK don't look like me. They don't wear a kippah or they don't have side curls. They're invisible. They look like any other Englishman. Um, yet still, despite being an almost invisible community, we are subject to more um, attacks or catalogs, recorded attacks, than any other community. And that's what, what I would say, though, is I think it is much easier to get away with anti-white racism than it is to get away with anti-Semitism. There seems to be an acceptance of it in in some quarters of society. But the other thing I would add is often the anti-white racism is actually coming from other white people rather than other communities. That's not to say there isn't minority communities in the West that have um, racist views of white people, but certainly when you're talking about the, the, the kind of things we see in the media, it, it's often anti-white racism coming from white people. Um, do, do and I don't think when it comes to anti-Semitism, that's the case. It's not Jews that are beating up Jews on the streets, usually. Do um, do the Jews love the white people? Um, the, the Jews love all people. We have an expression in the, the, the Torah and the, the Old Testament um, that all people are created, all people are created in the image of God. We are all equal. Um, so from a Jewish perspective, we are... Well, it is a Jewish value. It's, a, it's part of our religion to love everyone, irrespective of their, their skin color, their, so, even, their, even their faith. Do, do they love white people? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, well, I can speak for myself. You love white people? Do, do I love white people? Yeah. Yes. I've got, um, I'm, I'm personally mixed ancestry. I've got Jewish and non-Jewish ancestors. Oh, you so have white people. You have white ancestors. I have white ancestors. You know, you, you may. You, I just thought of something. I noticed that in what is happening right now, it's like all white people are under attack. White Christians, white non-Christians, secular people, white Jews, white non-Jews. It seems as though the colored people around the world tend to be going after all white people whether they call themselves Jews or Christians or what. And so wondering out loud now, is there something else going on that maybe we haven't noticed is that the people of color are trying to take out the white people, whatever, they're Jews and non-Jews. Is there like a war against white people by the people of color? I don't believe that to be the case, no. Why not? And what I would say is, I, I'll explain why. So I think when it comes to America, Americans, and I'm, I'm not meaning this in a disrespectful way, so please don't take it that way. Americans tend to project their own politics outwards. And because America is such a global power uh, with such huge influence, often those projections are then taken on by the community. So I remember there were um, BLM protests in the UK where the protests were saying, hands up, don't shoot. Now, the problem with that is British police officers don't carry arms. So this was an American <laughs> political chant and movement that was then imported into, into the UK. However, when it comes to anti-Semitism, what you'll often find is there is a racial element, particularly for those that are educated in the West. So they will see Jews in Israel as white European colonizers, now, the catch here is the overwhelming majority of Israelis are not light-skinned like me. They are much darker-skinned than, than I have. 
and the Palestinians themselves, because they've uh, such a diverse um, community for many years, Christians, Muslims, Druze, etc. Many of them are as light skinned as me. You have ginger Palestinians. The poster girl for the Palestinian movement was a blonde girl called Ahit Tamimi. So I think when it comes to anti-Semitism, if someone views the world through a racial lens, they will funnel their bigot, their prejudice against Jews into that into that lens and they'll view it through a racial way. So the Nazis typically did that. They racialized the Jewish people to show that the Jews weren't white, according to, to their science or their pseudoscience. Um, anti-Zionists on the, the far left will try and caricature Jews as white and privileged, when in reality, the overwhelming majority of the Jews they hate, the ones in Israel, are dark-skinned. Like uh, Ashkenazim, which are the Jews that lit temporarily uh, sojourned in Europe, they're of a lighter skin tone, but the Jews from the Middle East, North Africa, and Israel um, that have lived there continuously for thousands of years, they are much darker complexion than I have. Um, I'm sure you've seen Ethiopian Jews. They don't look as pasty as me. Yeah, I've seen them. When I was over in Israel, I saw them, a lot of them, and I was surprised. Um, which are most hated, the white Jews or the darker Jews? So I think when it comes to Jew hatred, collectively, it's all of us. Um, I'd say the more, the more visible you are, the more vulnerable you are. So the Jews that are most likely to get physically assaulted are going to be those that are dressed in traditional Jewish clothing um, on the streets because they're identifiable. But it's not, not, when someone attacks a Jew, they're not looking at their skin color. They're not saying, are they dark or are they light? They're saying, are they Jewish or are they not Jewish? Oh, I see. And if they're Jewish, they get attacked, sadly. Amazing. Um, so you talked about the, uh, you said that this attack on the Jews, this recently attack on the Jews was worse than the, the Holocaust, right? No, not worse than the Holocaust. The, the the 7th of October was the worst massacre of Jews since the Holocaust. Oh, since the Holocaust. The Holocaust was on a scale that nothing's been paralleled since maybe the days of Pharaoh. Um, so almost 6 million, well, 6 million Jews were massacred by the Nazis. In the 7th of October in Israel, um, there were 1,200 massacred. There were another... Over 200 kidnapped. There were children and women raped in the most graphic ways. They, the, the crimes that are now being recorded and uh, are stomach churning. I was in Israel. I don't know when you were there, but I visited the sites of the massacre. I saw the press screening. I met with survivors and the stories they tell and the images I've seen, I will take to my grave. So the scale of barbarity, barbar barbarity, the savageness of what happened, is, it, there's been nothing comparable to this that the Jewish people have been um, inflicted, um, um, subject to since since the Holocaust. I know about, you know, I've heard about white people controlling other people and slavery and all that. And I heard about black people in Africa and other places enslaving other black people, the Arabs enslaving people, the Muslims. Have the Jewish people ever enslaved a group of people and killed them and and, were, and punished them and were cruel to them? As all, It seems like all races have enslaved somebody at some point, right? Have the Jewish people, I've never heard of the Jewish people doing that to anyone. Have the Jewish people in any time 
any form, any time of history, uh, control a group of people and murder them and rape them and make them work for nothing. Have they ever done that to a group of people? So the Jewish people as a collective, no. But if you look, for instance, at the transatlantic slave trade, all people were involved. As you rightly say, there were black tribes that were enslaving, capturing other black tribes, selling them to European slavers. Amongst those European slavers, Jews were represented proportional to their size within the, the population. So there was a small number of slave um, Jewish slave owners, um, financiers, but they were very small in number um, and proportional to their size within the wider population. There's a great book um, by um, someone called, I've forgotten his first name, but Ferber, on the, the Jewish involvement in the transatlantic slave trade. It's very good. If you go back to the biblical period, um, slavery was endemic. It was everywhere. Nations enslaved right. the nations. And the Jewish religion came about and it gave a code of how you treat your slave. And um, you have to set them free after a certain period of, um, after a seven year period. You, uh, there's also, there's laws that regulate, um, and protected what was called, uh, what, uh, what the institution of slavery back then. So a slave who was within that system had greater protections under Judaism than any other society at that time. And um, so again, it would be lying to say that Jews have never kept slaves because anyone who reads the, 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 the Bible can read that, well, this is how you set the, the slave free if you um, acquire, uh, if a, a slave comes into your possession. So these are thousands of years ago, these laws. Certainly in the modern era, there's no such um, concept of slavery within the Jewish world. Um, it's, the Jews um, have been fundamental in almost all civil rights movements. And so when slavery existed within societies, Jews tended to um, just reflect what was happening in that wider population at that time. Why are the Jews more liberal than they are conservative? They are not. Um, American <laughs> Jews are more liberal. Than oh. they are so half the world's Jews live in Israel, and Israel is quite a conservative place. Um, Orthodox Jews, well, I'm an Orthodox Jew, um, tend to be much more conservative um, than than liberal. And so American Jews um, do um, tend to skew more liberal, and they tend to vote Democrat more than Republican. But then when you look at the Orthodox, the Orthodox in America will tend to vote more Republican than Democrat. So it's just which com which community. Jews are a diverse people. Yeah, there'll be Jews that are watching this stream who'll be screaming at what I'm saying because I don't <laughs> represent their views. We have an expression in Judaism, two Jews, three opinions. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we're quite a divided people. Um, I noticed that with the black people, white people, the Mexican, Chinese, and others, they tend to share their wealth amongst other people, right? They, they're not as tight as the Jews, where the Jews tend to keep their wealth amongst Jews. They tend to keep their neighborhoods amongst Jews. They don't look like, unless I'm saying it wrong, they don't seem to share with others. Is that a wrong impression? I think it's a wrong impression. And I'll, I'll, here's the test for you. If you Google who are the biggest philanthropists, so the, the most charitable people in the world, a huge percentage of them will be Jewish. 
even though Jews are disproportionately only a fraction of the world, like less than a percent of the world, yet we're amongst the biggest philanthropists. If you go to any hospital in America, you'll see wings dedicated by Jewish families. You go to art galleries, but they you'll see... They're only Jewish hospitals. They're not like normal hospitals. No, not, not, not if you go to normal hospitals. If you go oh. to universities, you'll find that Jews are um, huge um, donors to these oh, institutions. Okay. I thought um, they we only did it for Jewish hospitals. I'm going to play... I'm going to blow your mind with this. As a Jewish person, I'm commanded to give away 10% of my money to charity. Now, there's ways you do that. You have to give to the wider community. So if I'm living in an Asia, I live in the United Kingdom. We give. To, I'm not a rich man, but I give money to British charities. I give money to Jewish charities. I give money to um, like my immediate community, people that I know that are in need. So in Judaism, it's kind of... You have to give to all of these people. If someone in your family needs, you need to help support your family. If your your community, the Kahila that you live amongst, the neighborhood they need, you give to that. You give to the wider Jewish community, and you also, most importantly, you give to the non-Jewish community, which is why so many of these institutions are supported um, by Jewish philanthropy. Have you ever given to my nonprofit? Um, I haven't, but I can do. Oh. Um, I, I wasn't aware of it, so I will I'll Google it. And if it reconciles with my values. <laughs> then, check then... out Barn. We're about family. We're about uh, 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 self-independence, you know, taking care of stuff rather than government and, and, and start ha- hating everyone. So check out so, Barn. Yeah. It, I will check it online. It sounds like it um, squares with my values. So I'll give right it a look on. after. I want to ask... Um, Oh, one other thing. Then I got so much I want to ask you. Uh, one other thing. Uh, I noticed that anytime you have fear, when a person ha- have fear, they're afraid of other people. Or they're afraid of situations. They have fear inside. And most people do. I noticed that anyone that has fear bring trouble upon themselves. And, and all kinds of trouble. They bring it upon themselves because of the fear they have, the spirit of fear. And they bring on situation that bring it upon themselves. I noticed that with the Jews, they seem to have fear that they're going to be attacked again in the way that it happened with the Holocaust. They've been forever afraid of that. And in having that fear like that, even when nothing was happening, is it possible that the fear of the Jew people, the Jewish people, they are bringing these situations upon themselves? So, so no, um, fear is a very, very healthy emotion to have. We have it for it's a survival mechanism. If you are in a lion's den and you're not fearful of the lion, you're going to get killed. It doesn't mean you have to leave the den. You can channel that fear and work out what to do in a situation. So the, the Jewish people, we have a history of persecution, but we've learned from that persecution and we learn from that persecution you you're like if you if you speak to any jew today any jew two words are the jewish response that they will give you to the holocaust never again never again what does that mean for a jewish person it means never again will we allow ourselves to be in such a vulnerable position where we are entirely dependent on other people for our salvation. So in the past, when tyrants rose up to massacre us, we were dependent on mighty 
powers to come to our assistance, a king to open its borders to us, a ruler to remove that boot from our neck. Today, that's not the case. Today, the Jews have a sanctuary. We have a safe haven. But more importantly, we have a military that is able to defend us. So we are not fearful. We are not cowardly. But we are aware of our history and we have vowed never to let that happen again, which is why the state of Israel is so important for Jewish survival. The state of Israel ensures that never again will a Jew have to beg for our people's survival. Um, you said that fear is good, but fear is not of God. Fear is of Satan, of evil. And uh, when Daniel was in the lion's den, one of the great things about Daniel is that he did not fear the lion. And I noticed that people who don't have fear, they have true power. And power is not something you possess of yourself, but it comes from God, right? And those who I, do I, have fear lack power, and they're always doing different things to try to create power for themselves, you know, try to make it happen. So fear is not of God. It says fear is, and I'm not talking about practical fear, you know, going in the hood and getting beat up by some black guy or something. Uh, I'm talking about the other fear that lives in people who have anger. So fear is not of God. So if fear is not of God, how can it be good? So I think we have a slight theological difference here. I see everything as coming from God. And I also see fear as an example. Both you and I, I imagine, have a healthy fear of heaven. The of fear heaven? of heaven motivates us to do good in this world. And God, the creator, um, blessed us with all of these emotions from courage to fear and there is a within the jewish um philosophy there is a time and a place for each of these emotions they not one none of these emotions should govern you not one emotion should consume you you should have the healthy balance you should be able to channel that that fear into good decisions courage etc so i i half agree with you but i see everything is coming from god but god does fear. not god does not does not give us the spirit of fear that comes from evil and because anyone that has fear has no peace they have anger they worry they uh, have suicidal thoughts they get lonely they are mad about this situation and they are happy about this situation they're mad about this because in fear there is no peace it's all and if you notice God was a dispassionate, or is a dispassionate God, and Satan is a passionate God. And so human beings who have fear, they're always looking for passion. They're always trying to be passionate about something because they're trying to find peace, perfect peace and passion, and you're never going to get it that way. I think what you've described makes a lot of sense. The only thing I'd caveat what you said with is... Imagine, let's say fear is from, uh, it's, it's not a Jewish belief, but let's just go with your, with your example. Fear is from the devil. Now, if someone just discards fear, they no longer live in fear, they think they're invincible, and they go charging into a dangerous scene where they're just cut down by enemies that are far mightier, they refuse to take health advice 
because they see that as fearful and ungodly. Um, and they are then consumed by some horrendous virus or disease. Um, fear can be very healthy when channeled appropriately. And I don't think that fear is, I think that is a, that, that kind of fear is a blessing from God because it helps us to make calculated and reasoned and logical decisions that lead to better outcomes for us. I see what you mean. What you don't realize is that when you lack the spirit of fear, you're not going to do anything crazy like that. You're going to have a clear mind. You will have common sense. And common sense protect you from doing crazy things. Whereas spirit of fear causes you to do crazy things. And it prevents you from seeing the right thing to do. It always makes the wrong decision for you. But the fear to have perfect peace, you're going to always do, you're going to see and do it in the right way. You're not going to do crazy things. It's only when you have fear that you do and think. You think and you do crazy things. Let me ask, ask, do you you believe that God has fear? So I don't believe God has human emotions in the, in, in the, the, the Jewish um, philosophical tradition I believe to uh, belong to, sorry, we're not allowed to attribute human characteristics to the divine. The, 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 the Bible uses language to help us relate to it of anger and jealousy and happiness. But that's for that's so we can understand and comprehend. But all the, those are uh, evil emotions which come from evil come from the devil they're, they're, this, uh, this, the, the bible uses that language to describe god in the but, old testament well maybe they're talking about satan but not the real god god the real god is a dispassionate god let me ask um christians when i was growing up christians and jews were tight they were one because christianity came about as a result of judaism right and so when I was growing up, I was taught that, and I still believe that. And so, but look like there has been a, div- a division between the Christians and Jews that was not there, unless I was too young to know or just didn't know. But look like there's a division between the Christians and the Jews that wasn't there when I was growing up. So from a Jewish perspective, it's actually the inverse. So... For centuries, Christians persecuted Jews. The Inquisition, they literally ripped our flesh off our bodies while we were still alive. They burnt us at the stake. Here in the UK, they put Jews in York to to the stake a thousand years ago. Well, that's when the Jews were enslaved the Christians? No, no, the Jews, so so Jews were a tiny community. Um, The Jews have never enslaved Christians. Um, (laughs) Uh, at least not to my knowledge. I'm sure someone in the Commonwealth has some <laughs> random community somewhere. But uh, like Jews have never been in a position of power where they could enslave Christians. Christianity came about after Jews had any real sovereignty or power. Um, it really emerged um, with the church fathers. And so what happened, Christians persecuted Jews throughout the ages. And if I were to tell my ancestors living in Europe that today... Your closest friends, the Jews' closest friends, are going to be the Christians. They would look at me like I was insane because the only really? Christianity they knew was the ones that was chasing them down and, and chopping them in half with swords. And so 
the Jews today owe a great debt to the Christian community. Most people don't know this, but the fact that Jews are in Israel and Jews are in the UK is completely connected. Christians in the UK petitioned um, Whitehall, Cromwell, to allow the Jews into the UK so the Jews could then go from the UK to the Holy Land. And in this Christian theological view, it would um, bring on a messianic era where Jesus would reign for a thousand years. This was a, a very common belief in the 16th and 17th century in the UK. And as a consequence, Jews are here in the UK. They then came from here to the UK and exported that very positive Jewish Judeo-Christian relationship to America. And ultimately, it resulted in um, Christians um, really pushing and getting behind the Jewish community, the Jewish national movement for self-determination in the Holy Land. And so Jews and Christians are very tight today, much more so than ever before. And we as Jews owe a huge debt to our Christian brothers. Amazing. Are you a, a, a Zionist? I am the biggest Zionist you will ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> I put Zionism on my cornflakes in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and so for some reason, some people make the word Zionist seem like a bad word. What is a Zionist? A Zionist is anybody that supports the right for the Jews to have a state in their ancestral land. Now, oh. that does not have to be at the expense of anybody. It does has nothing to do with any global cabals or any of this nonsense you'll read on 4chan. Um, a Zionist is simply anybody, be they Jew or not Jew, that supports the right of Israel to exist as a Jewish state. It's that simple. You can support the Palestinians and the Jewish state and still be and still be a Zionist. Two-state solution, you're a Zionist. One-state solution, Jewish state that, you're a Zionist. Should, uh, and I hear this a lot too, should uh, Jewish people, or anyone I guess, but especially Jews, should Jewish people be allowed to have dual citizenship? Um, that's for each nation to decide. If If nations allow citizens to hold dual passports, then absolutely, Jews should be able. Or if well, let, they, if let me ask the question this way, since I was told to ask: Do you agree that people with dual citizenship do not have America or Britain in their best interest, and um, their loyalty is usually to Israel? Is that true? No, no. So that. Imagine you've got a Canadian mother and American father and you have a Canadian and American passport. You may have an affinity to one, a stronger connection to one of those nations. You may be an American, but for whatever reason, you feel more Canadian. The one I've never understood, by the way, are the Irish in America, whose great, 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 great granddad came from Ireland. And they're the most, they're more Irish than the Irish. Um, but I think nationality is a very complex um, yeah. identity. So I'd imagine a devout Christian living in America, would see themselves as a Christian first and an American second. Whereas a very strong American patriot, who's also a Christian, may invert that and they may see themselves as an American first and a Christian second. When it comes to Israeli dual nationality, there are many, many dual nationalities in America. Pakistani American, British American, and nobody questions this dual loyalty other than when it comes to the Jews who somehow have a dual loyalty to Israel. And that's when it moves into anti-Semitism. 
if you just blanket say anybody who has more than one passport, they have a dual loyalty. That's a fine statement. If you isolate out Jews and say any Jew, and it's only the Jews, by the way, it's not the Arabs, who has an Israeli passport because there are 2 million Israeli Arabs and there are Israeli Arabs that live in America. But if you're single out the, singling out the Jews and say they alone, the Jewish people alone, have this issue of dual loyalty, that's when it moves into to anti-Semitism rather than a healthy questioning of whether nations should allow citizens to hold two passports. I know, I, man, I'm looking at the clock and it's going by so fast. I noticed that, um, I noticed that Jewish mothers, just like all mothers, to be honest with you, imposes their will on their children and they turn the children away from the father. And the mother appears to be a victim when in reality she's a, she's a victimizer. Uh, and the children, she imposes her will and she causes children to identify with her. Have you forgiven your Jewish mother for turning you away from your father? I, I don't think my mother turned me away from my father. <laughs> so I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not aware of this. What I would, what maybe what you're, you're getting at is within Jewish communities, women um, have a strong um, role, like a strong role within the family, an equal role with the father within the family. That, for instance, education and stuff is is often very much encouraged by by the mother. It's it's like it's eating also each Jewish family is going to be different. You're going to have some with very strong, um, a balabayta, very strong, um, but head of all the house. women, all women are controlling like that because they're out of control. Um, maybe, um, uh, <laughs> um my wife's going to watch this later, so I need to be careful what I say. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know you were married, so you're married. Um, thank God, yes, you have Happily. children. Um, yes, yeah, I and, got a beautiful daughter. And does uh, your wife? Oh, you have? Did you make her boy first or a girl first? Um, did my wife make my daughter a boy or a girl first? Did you make did, a boy first with your first child? Well, we made a girl first. We've got a girl, really? and she's the most girly girl you could imagine. Real we man made boy, set. Real man made boys first. I, I guess I'm not a real man. I'm just <laughs> one of these pretend men. <laughs> this is a stick on beard. <laughs> <laughs> Does your wife obey you? Um, I don't think I. No, I, I'd say she would. She doesn't obey me. Uh, why did you I don't obey her either? Why uh, did you marry a woman that would not obey you? I don't think it's a question of whether she would or she wouldn't obey me. It's that I don't want to command over her. Um, it's it's not. I, for some, for some guys, I'm sure that works. Um, not for, not for me. And why don't you want to lead her? Since God made man head of the woman, as as Christ is head of the man, or God is head of the man, why don't you want to lead your wife since you were created to lead her and not to follow? So there are areas where I will lead within the household, and there's areas where she will lead. So, for instance, my wife has taught me. Um, to be incredible, like it's not that I lacked empathy, but my wife has given me a skill set where I'm able to connect and understand with my 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 daughter at a level I would have never ever been able to. So when it comes to raising our child, um, with the the 
with the correct values and in the in a loving and caring environment, my wife one hundred percent leads and makes those decisions. When well, it comes women... to maybe financial decisions, maybe I'm leading more in those areas. So there's a distribution of responsibilities within our marriage. But each marriage is going to be different. This is not a Jewish thing. This is just a Joseph thing. <laughs> right. But women were not created to lead. And so women need, those women who are married with children, they need the father, the husband, the father to lead them so that they can lead the children in the right way to go. Otherwise, they're going to screw up the children because yeah, they I, need I, the father yeah, to guide that, them. I think that's a healthy division of the, the roles and responsibilities within a household. I think that's healthy. Were women uh, created to lead or to follow? It depends on the context. Were they created by God to lead or to follow? It depends on the context. So I, I, I'll give you an example. Um, there are women who politically will run rings around you and I. Intellectually, um, in terms of gravitas and presence, someone like Margaret Thatcher in the UK. Golda Meir in Israel. These are phenomenal um, women who've changed the course of history more so than almost any man. Um, but an intellectual woman is an evil woman. I, I wouldn't describe Golda Meir as an evil woman. Um, I don't know who that is. I, I also it's your podcast, so I don't, I don't want to challenge you too much. <laughs> um, I think we can have a healthy disagreement, and I'm sure this is a debate you have time and time again, and there's nothing I could say that would change your mind. But on a personal level, for me, it's um, there are areas where I will happily lead, and that's where I feel strong and confident. And that's the case in anything. If we're having a debate, this is a debate which I'm if – if we're talking – politics if we're talking israel jews i'm very confident it's my domain i will speak with authority and confidence if it's an area i'm less if, if you pivot to um climate change i know nothing about it i'm going to shut my mouth and it's the same within within my household there are areas where my wife is far more qualified to to lead and there are areas where i'm far more qualified to lead that's amazing do you have anger do i have anger this is actually one of the um the emotions that I don't feel I have been blessed with. And it really frustrates my wife because if she's ever angry, I never, ever raise. I never get angry. I never lose my cool. And I can't understand why other people do. It's a little bit. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I'm very, very slow to anger. And so that's beautiful. And so when you don't get angry, she get upset. Do you correct her for getting tell her she need to cut that out? Because anger is evil. Um, no, because that would not be a sensible thing to do. Yeah, when, when someone's angry, that's not the time to try and correct their behavior. So the best thing is to use the other, the, the faculty that we've been blessed with, which is our SACL, our intelligence, and, and timing is everything. Um, my advice to anyone um, is when someone is angry, that's not the time to try and help them with that behavior. One last thing about the woman, and then I got to move on. I noticed, well, two things. I noticed that According to the Bible, the God above is the man's God, and the God below is the woman's God. And it's the responsibility of the man to bring her out of the hell that she's in into his world, which is heaven. Have you done that with your wife? So this is where the whole Jewish-Christian thing breaks down. In Judaism, we have the concept, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, which means, um, listen, Israel. Um, the Lord is our God. God is one. 
we only believe in one God. We don't have this duality of the devil and God. There is one almighty power within the within Jewish philosophy, within the Jewish tradition, and that is God. And so everything is from God. Well, it's just are... may not understand and may not be able to perceive the 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 the, the blessing. Um, in Hebrew, there's an expression, gamzul letova. Um, this too is for the good. Everything is for the good. Even if we can't understand it with our very like self-focused, earthly perspective. Well, one thing for sure, the devil is a fake God. He's pretending to be God. He's not the real deal. There is only one true God, and he lives in us and above us. But the Satan, uh, because he believed the serpent, he caused Satan to become the woman's God. But Christ came and he restored that. That's why when you return to your father, you return to God. You must be born again of your father, which is God. So I do agree with that. I got to ask, did the UK allow too many illegal aliens to come into their country, too many immigrants? So according to almost every poll of the British people, um, yes, including the current government. So I don't think that's a controversial thing to, to say. Um, the demography of the UK has completely changed. In some of our major cities, white English is now a minority. Yeah. Uh, now, there's positives and negatives to that, but I think it's not a controversial thing to say that um, the, the, the majority of Brits want tighter immigration um, rules. Um, one last thing about the family. Does... Uh, um, did your mother rule over your father or did he deal with her the way a man should? Uh, in what way should a man? <laughs> what is the way he should? <laughs> he should protect his children from her, you know, stand between her so she doesn't put pat her anger onto the children and recreate them in her image. Did your father yeah. protect you from your mother? I'm sad to think that maybe Jewish women are really nice because we don't have this like evil um, force that's but between I, us. And that's children. not true because I counsel with loads of Jewish people now, men and yeah. women, young and old, and their mothers have really destroyed the children. That's really interesting. Um, that's I, I, my experience is anecdotal, and that's not been the case for 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 me and most of the people I know. But maybe in America, maybe it's a, a you were saying, we were saying before that American Jews are more liberal, and the maybe maybe it's a liberal American Jew thing. <laughs> maybe it's an American thing. So were you born and raised in the UK? Yeah, yeah, I was born uh, actually raised in a very left wing household, not a religious household. Oh. Parents were communists. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. So, are so you... I used to sprinkle Marx and Engels on the cornflakes, then I upgraded <laughs> to Zionism. Are you a non-religious Jew? I'm a very religious Jew. Um, um, I'm an Orthodox Jew. Um, so I try to keep the law of Moses to the best of my ability. Right on. So one last thing about that. Do the uh, the Jews that wear the long hair with the ropes hanging down, with the black suits and yes. things, do they get along with the Jews that look like you? You're kind of Jew. Yeah. Yeah, well, in Israel, in the Jewish people, we have a concept, Am Yisrael, where we are one people. Um, and some of my closest friends are, um, I pray with these communities that you describe. 
So I'm what's called Dati La Umi, a national religious. I am a religious Zionist, um, but I follow the same code of law as someone who's wearing the black robes, the black hat, and, and the, wow. the, the, the cold pay the side curls. Um, but we follow the same law. It's just the, the, the clothing that we wear um, is an indicator of the, the philosophical or the, the particular um, sect, the wrong word, but community that we belong to. Oh, okay, nice. Give me a short answer to this. Um, do you, um, do you love the, do you, do you support the Great White Hope? What's the Great White Hope? You don't know the Great White Hope? Is, is this a MAGA thing? Is this... <laughs> Donald Trump, the Great White yeah. Hope. So I am very divided on Donald Trump. I think he was an incredible force for good when it came to global affairs. Yeah. Um, so if you look at the Abraham Accords and things like that, phenomenal. Um, responsible um, for a period of peace within that region um, that hadn't existed for a long time. Do you support him this time around? He, he's but, running again. Give me a I was quick just answer say, because of that. Do you support gonna, him? I had to caveat there. The other side, too, I'm not as fond of. So, like, some of the language he'll use. I love uh, his language. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an English. I'm an Englishman. We're, we're more refined. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm very split on Donald Trump, 50 50. There's good, there's bad. Um, and this time round, it's I've got no dog in the race. Um, I steer well clear of American politics because you'll kill each over it, <laughs> kill each other over it. And so with no dog in the race, I'll leave that to you guys and then just hope that whoever you elect is good for global peace and global security. I say that there's no such thing as racism, sexism, homophobiaism, Islamophobiaism, Allah Abba ism anti-Semitism or dare be dadism, no isms at all, that uh, our battle is a spiritual battle. It's a warfare between good and evil. But because most people are angry, they are blind and can't see, they can only see with their physical eyes and not their spiritual eyes. And they think that it's a physical issue, but it's spiritual. It's not physical at all. It has nothing to do with color or anything but that. Do you disagree with that? I agree that there is a spiritual battle for the soul of the West at the moment. No, there for the is, soul of all mankind. I, I would agree with that. I, I, I wouldn't even argue. It's more visible in the West because that's what, where, where both you and I live. But yeah, I would agree there is a, a battle for the soul um, we are going through rapid transformations like we've never seen before. And that is leading to, to conflict. However, just like there is a force for good, there is also a force of, um, uh, a force for evil. And some of the isms you described, I would see as evil because they've led to the slaughter of millions of people. Any well, they haven't though. What's led to that is the evil hearts of mankind. Anyone that has anger has an evil heart. And evil is of their father, the devil, and the devil want to conquer all. And, but if the heart was changed from hate, from anger to love, then there would be no war, period. The family would be tighter. 
There would be no wars out there. Everybody would lay their weapon down if they didn't have hatred of the heart. Salvation is of the heart. God said your heart must change. Change the heart to love, which is of God. Then all wars will end. I, I think I agree with you. And I think the isms you described, the manifestation of the hatred of the heart at a collective level. How does the hatred of the heart manifest in the world? Well, it can be a genocidal hatred of this group of people. It can be. And so I, I don't disagree with what you're saying there. I just see those isms as or some of those isms as being manifestations of that heart. I, I got to heat this interview up. I need you to answer these questions as quickly as possible. We're on. The hot seat. What is a man? Um, an adult human male. Is America the best country on this side of heaven? No. Have you ever seen a ghost? No. True or false, abortion is worse than slavery. False, but they're both not great. Are you in favor of the British monarchy? Yes. Is Ben Shapiro an alpha male or beta male? <laughs> Can I take the fifth? No, he's, a, he's an alpha. He's an alpha. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal thinker and is, yeah, and inflexes that, that intellect. So, yeah, alpha. Which do you prefer, tea or coffee? Coffee. Is the earth flat or round? Round. Does a chicken have lips? No. What is love? Um, an appreciation and connection with something other than yourself, whether it be the divine or your partner or your child. Do do men have a uh, do men have a God given right to bear arms? Um, I'm not sure because in the messianic era we will um, put down the sword and turn it into a plow. So I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Is it ever okay to call a woman fat? If she calls you fat. <laughs> does uh, is it does a educated woman make for a good wife and a mother? Yes. Amazing. Did you have fun? I had a lot of fun. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you One so much. One of the much. most nerve-wracking <laughs> podcasts I've been on. So. And I go against Nazis and jihadis. So. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. Tell the folks how to get in in contact with your organization, how to check you out and see what they can do to help. Yeah, check us out, Israel Advocacy Movement. We're on everything except Facebook where we're shadow banned. Um, but yeah, give us a like, a follow and subscribe. It means a lot. I'm Joseph Cohen. Amazing. Thank you. It's an honor to meet you, man. I enjoy talking to you. Likewise. I feel I learned a little, so thank you. It's always good to, to grow in knowledge. That's right. Absolutely. And so I want to remind you folks, don't forget that you can support the Father State by going to the fatherstate.tv slash donate. And we also are local. So uh, check out the description there, locals.com. And check out the merch, uh, like, follow, ring the bell, and all of those good things. And I do appreciate it. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you again for coming on. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Amazing. <laughs>